Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a great story of following some dumb company rules. But first a story from Drama Guy 23 poof, we're just as responsive as those other companies. My job involves development of custom web applications for large customers. On one specific project, the software is quite stable and mature, and so for a number of years, we've been in a pattern of pushing major version updates only four times a year. For smaller changes in between major releases, we would release hotfixes. In reality, they were mostly usability tweaks and small features requested by the customer. As mentioned, the software was quite stable, so actual bug fixes were pretty rare, but they were still called hotfixes for historical reasons. Our turnaround time on these was two weeks from requirement to release, so basically nearly immediate. They were numbered consecutively starting with .1 and going as high as .6. The system worked great and the customer was happy until our longtime product manager on the customer side retired. A new project manager, let's call him Reggie, took over and immediately started finding fault. Why were we so sluggish and unresponsive as to go three whole months between major releases? Didn't we know that other companies, modern, agile companies, did version releases every month? His oft-cited fanboy other companies included one that makes electric cars and another one that makes user-friendly computers and smartphones. Why couldn't we be agile like that? And why was our software so unstable that we were constantly having to put out hotfixes? The last major version had needed six hotfixes? Why couldn't we test our crap and get it right the first time, instead of dumping off a half-finished mess on the customer and then patching up the damage on their time and on and on? We try to explain that the software was mature and no longer changing at a rate that would require frequent major versions, and that the so-called hotfixes were actually mostly requested features and, in fact, showed that we were agile and responsive. No dice. He started referring to our account manager as Dr. Fixenstein. He demanded that we begin a monthly release cycle to be agile and enter the 21st century and that we finish our software before releasing. No more hotfixes. You can probably see where this is going. Suddenly, the things we used to call hotfixes, we rebranded as major releases. And instead of a two-week cycle, we started doing them only once a month. Everyone on our team was happier because it meant the number of late-night deployment windows was cut in half. And it turned out, Reggie was ecstatic. From constantly finding fault, he became our biggest fan. It's been nearly three years now, and he still likes to tell the story about how we immediately responded to his constructive criticism and retooled our whole process for him. We even use him as a reference now when we're bidding out other work. No one at the customer has ever put it together that the only real change 
In response to his feedback was that the fulfillment of new feature requests now takes twice as long as it used to. I don't know if it's wrong of me, but if I was in OP shoes here, although the fix was simply relabeling what the hotfixes were to just calling them major releases, I would be feeling some type of way and maybe not want to go ahead with that plan, solely because you realistically changed nothing while somehow still managing to validate everything that this new product manager was wrongly complaining about. Would you guys also not want to make that really easy change that fixes all the concerns just because it gives the product manager a way to gloat about how they changed everything, when in reality they did nothing at all? Let me know if you think that's a little too mental or if you would do that too in the comments down below. Our next story is from Wolf. What? You wanted a receipt? One year, I was working in Atlanta for a major nonprofit organization. Every week I would fly in, spend four days fixing their computers, then fly home. Mostly I would walk, but if I needed a taxi, they were always $6. Distance didn't matter, so I think it was a rule for the downtown area. And almost invariably, the credit card reader was broken. It didn't matter which taxi I took, none of them worked. This wasn't a problem because a gentleman always carries cash, especially when traveling. But it did mean that I needed a receipt or my employer wouldn't repay me. Sometimes the driver would fill one out by hand, though he was terribly annoyed by the extra time it took. Sometimes the driver would give me a blank one to fill out myself back in the hotel. One driver said, Here's a stack of blanks. Don't ask me again. Well, I got my receipt. Now I just gotta find a pen. What an oddly insecure receipt system. I guess if all the taxi rides were very standardized there and it was always $6, you couldn't really cheat on it. But if the company didn't know, you could fudge the numbers a little bit and get some extra pocket money probably. Not that it would be the right thing to do and not that anybody would do it. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. This next story is from Tommy Blockhead 20 My first malicious compliance, the bathroom break bandit. I started my first full-time job while home from school on summer break. I always loved reading the stories on the sub and figured I might be in a similar situation at my job at some point, but I didn't realize it would happen so quickly. During my second week on the job, the guy training me came up to me and told me multiple co-workers had complained to him that I was taking my breaks way longer than I was supposed to be. At first, I was confused by what he was talking about. I thought maybe people had gotten me confused with another new employee, but after a couple of minutes, I realized what was going on. So for some context, the job was in a large warehouse, meaning it could take up to 5 minutes to walk to places like the break room or one of the bathrooms. Because of this, I would always try to use the bathroom right before my break, since there was a bathroom right there and I wasn't interrupting my work. I would speedrun the bathroom and start my break about 2 minutes late. Most workers also stayed a few minutes past the end of break, myself included. These two things meant that even though I took the same length break as most of the other employees, it looked like I was staying about 5 minutes past my break. Don't like that? Okay. Well, around the same time, I learned they don't care when or how long you take your bathroom breaks, you can just go whenever. So after I got the complaints, I stopped taking the quick 2 minute bathroom pit stops before my breaks. Instead, I stop in the middle of what I've been working on, walk 5 minutes to the bathroom, take a relaxing 10 minute bathroom break, and walk 5 minutes back. Repeat this 3 times per shift, 
and I've gone from stealing 6 minutes of company time per shift to up to 60 minutes, hence the bathroom break banded. This took place last year, they later trained me on forklift, cutting down on how long it took to get to the bathroom. I have a new job with higher pay, but I do slightly miss that job because it was pretty laid back. And besides this one incident, people were pretty friendly. If there was one wise thing I've learned from people on the internet, it's that you poop on company time. You get paid to do your business, and you save a little bit of extra money on toiletries. I'm not gonna lie though, I hate using public bathrooms. If I can avoid them, I will. This next story is from Mallory454, Training Hours, Air Force. From my days in the service, years ago, I was stationed at an Air Force base with two types of aircraft two squadrons of C-141s and a squadron of C-130s. Some of you out there are going to know where this was. It was a unique unit, as most wings, Air Force designation for a unit containing three squadrons, had all the same aircraft. C-141s were much larger, jet, than the C-130s, turboprop, and consume a lot more fuel and were more expensive to operate. The wing commander was always a C-141 guy, as they had more aircraft in the unit. Every year, each squadron in the Air Force gets a certain amount of training hours. Flight. The squadron flight schedulers are responsible for seeing that everyone meets their yearly flight training requirements within the limits of the training hours allotted to that squadron. There are, of course, never as many training hours as we would like. Getting everyone what they needed was always tricky. The C-141 squadrons in our unit had a reserve unit attached to them. The reserve unit consisted of trained flight crew not on active duty. Many of them lived outside of the local area. When called up for training, they had to come to the base. This resulted in long drives for some of them. One year, the wing commander, C-141 guy, decided it would be more convenient for his reserve crews if one of our wing's aircraft flew around and did taxi service i.e. picking up the reserve crew from airfields close to their homes and returning them after training. He couldn't authorize this as an operational mission, hauling stuff around. In order to make it work, it had to be considered training. Not, of course, one of his precious C-141s. No, send a C-130. To be fair, this really made more sense than sending a C-141. Besides being less expensive to operate, we could get into shorter airfields than a C-141. The problem was the wing commander wanted us to use our training hours to provide taxi service for his C-141 crews. This really grated on us. Besides losing precious training hours we needed for real training, I can't remember any of the reserve crews being grateful for the service. There always seemed to be an unspoken contempt. Might just be my faded memory, but that's the way I saw it. So this goes on for the better part of a year. We are pissed. But Air Force, the wing commander was within his rights, nothing much we could do about it. Our squadron commander was not one to take these kinds of things lying down. A plan was formed. This had been going on long enough that we knew when we would get the call for taxi service. We worked our training hours so that the last few hours got used up on the last day of the fiscal year. We knew we would get a call that day. I can still remember the great satisfaction I got when the call came in and our squadron commander told our wing commander, I'm sorry sir, but we don't have any training hours left to fly. If you would let us use some of the C-141 training hours, we would be happy to fly the mission. I'm sure there were lots of fallout from that, but it was way above my pay grade. Never heard anything more, 
but we never flew another taxi flight for the C-141 reserves. I mean, whether or not they really were within their right to order those things around, it really feels like they shouldn't have been in their right to order that. All I know is, is if I was potentially going into combat or a risky situation, I'd want to know that all of my training hours actually were used in a constructive way learning to fly these things. Imagine being on board one of these things and the pilot says most of their hours just went to taxi service. I'm sure you'd be feeling real comfortable then. And our final story of the day is by Gino Breaker. Follow the safety rules. So years ago, I worked for a US chain of supermarkets that like the asterisk. I spent years there and worked a number of positions, but this story has to do with me being a buggy boy. Long before the global plague, this store was notorious for understaffing. A 24-hour super center serving over 20 communities and the store ran with about 300 people on payroll when it needed 500 plus. I was one of four cart pushers on payroll to cover the parking lot 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It wasn't pretty. How did we manage? Simple. We cut corners. See, the safety rules required that we use a ratcheting safety strap anytime we pushed more than three carts, plus no more than 10 at a time by hand, or 20 in a trip with the remote pusher. We ignored that, we didn't use the straps, and my personal record was I think 46 without assistance, but that was late night cleanup and a lot empty of cars. Anyway, once in a while, management would catch the safety rules or absolute bug and breathe down our necks about it, and I got fed up with it. I was the only cart pusher on schedule for about 8 hours, and was told when I came in that I was expected to follow all the rules to a T. So I got my strap and got to work. I did actually try. I took pride in my work, but I couldn't keep up with the demand, and by the time the store quieted down around 10pm when the night shift came in, I was due to leave at 11 and the lot was still a mess. So I tracked down the night shift manager since mine was long gone. I'm supposed to leave at 11, do you want me to leave at 11 or when the lot is clear? They say, when the lot is clear. He wasn't being a jerk and I liked the guy. My malice was directed at the day shift managers. I went back to report that the lot was clean at about 3am. He told me he thought I'd left hours ago. I usually left with a clean parking lot and within about 10 minutes of my scheduled time. I just shrugged and said matter-of-factly, that's how long it takes to do it the right way. Again, I wasn't trying to be a jerk to him, but the store didn't like giving overtime or hours beyond what was scheduled and I knew he would tell them about it. I didn't hear a single word about the safety rules for months afterwards. And the managers looked sheepish when they saw me. You know, it definitely doesn't surprise me that a certain asterisk-loving Supercenter store absolutely despises the concept of ever giving overtime. All I know is I would never be cut out for that kind of work. When my shift was over at 11pm, I don't care if that lot is an absolute wreck, I wouldn't want to stay there till 3am putting away carts. I'd rather quit the asterisk supercenter than work till 3am putting away carts in an empty parking lot. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another malicious compliance story that was crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. With that, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.